Now, on the announcements and on the at a glance, it had uh, said that I was going to be preaching on 1 Timothy 4 uh, this morning. And um, I've been gripped by a word, a different word, I believe that God gave me on Tuesday. Um, I've been fighting with God all week. Uh, I thought to myself, as all good preachers do, if you get another sermon, what you do is you prepare both of them because, you know, at some point you'll get the opportunity uh, to preach both of them. So that's what I did. I prepared both of them because I felt God had given me a word for the church today. Uh, and so uh, the original word I've sort of shared with some people on the Living Hope uh, prayer page and then uh, sent it out to somebody and I'd had my sermon on 1 Timothy ready to go. Um, I was away at a conference for the last two days. Usually if you're away at a conference with uh, pastors and preachers, it says you tend to uh, preach what you heard at the conference because that's what pastors and preachers do. So, but I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm not doing that. He says, I guarantee you this after being at the conference at least 40 churches in Ireland are preaching on the story of Gideon this morning, but I'm not doing that. I came home late last night and I still had that uncertainty um, as I'd prepared and my final prayer to confirm the word was, Lord, I like to be spirit led and well prepared, which is I think the way to be. And, and so Lord, if you want me to do this sermon, then the thing to do is to wake me up at five o'clock in the morning and then that will give me uh, three, four hours to prepare before I have to come to church to make sure that this is the word that you've given me for the church. Uh, at 4.58 this morning, I was lying wide awake, remembering my prayer and the confirmation I requested. But as you do at 4.58 in the morning, you don't believe that God speaks to anybody at that time of the morning. So I tried to fight it and argue with God. And then at 5.15, I surrendered and wanted to share this word with the church. Uh, because I believe for life, for many of us as a uh, has probably battered us around over these last 18 months. Lots of people have been through the most uncertain times of their life. Even in church, has been the same. Uh, from closing, putting services online, to services in the car park, to three services, to two services, to closing, to opening, to closing, to reopening. And mass wearing, no handshakes, no hugging. But I like that one because I'm not a hugger. <laughs> Social distancing, the list could go on. But it's also about the people. We've seen so many new people come, but we've also seen so many people go through some of the most difficult circumstances and situations in their lives. We've emphasized the invitation to our church to come and take the seat with the rest of us and to bring that baggage with you, give God the opportunity to do something in their lives. And there will always be a seat for people in this church. There will always be a seat for people in this church. And last week, I felt God give me a word from John 9, 25. And I simply just put this, it says, was praying for the church this week, as you do, that, that God would change every situation that you are facing. And in John 9, 25, the whole story of John 9 is Jesus healing the man born blind. And 9, uh, in the verse 25 of chapter 9, it, it simply says this, that the blind man says this, and it's one of the greatest statements said in the Bible by, by a man, by a person. And he says, one thing I know, I was blind, but now I see. And I took out of this, and actually those four words are incredible power. 
because he is standing before the religious teachers and the Pharisees. And it's simply his testimony because Jesus has healed him of his blindness. You see, at the beginning of the story, and we'll look at this in a second, the disciples had asked the wrong questions. The Pharisees had asked the wrong questions. His parents had asked the wrong questions. They'd simply asked him, whose fault is this? What's going on here? And this man right in the middle of this just simply says, one thing I know, I was blind, but now I see. And I thought, well, how does that fit for us as a church or for people facing the battles and the challenges that they're going through in church? Because we always want to give something that is a word from God. Uh, and I thought to myself, I thought it's like this, that I think there is many of us that God wants to move us from the I was, but now. And he wants to make it the one thing in our life. I love it that the man says this. He says, one thing. He just kept the main thing, the main thing. And it was the work that Jesus Christ had done in his life. Because he was born blind, Jesus touched him and healed him. And that was his testimony in front of everybody. And I thought to myself, I thought, what a great word just to bring to the church that Jesus changes every situation. He changes every circumstance. And it tells us in the story that the reason he did it was for this. It was for the glory of God. While everybody else was looking for who to blame, while everybody else was looking for whose fault it was, it says Jesus simply declares this. He says, he said, listen, he says, I'm going to heal this man and it's simply for the glory of God. And whatever God does in our life, it's not to fix us. Whatever God does in our life, it's not to repair us. Though all of that is a good thing, what God does in our life is always for his glory. It's always for his glory. So he takes this man who was born blind and Jesus said, he says, I'm not looking for whose fault it is. I'm not looking for who's to blame. I'm not looking, Jesus isn't even answering the questions that everybody is asking. He's just presenting this man with a life-changing opportunity that simply says, one thing I know, I was blind, but now I see. And so this morning, I want to speak out some of those words as we look at this story, because the key is always what Jesus does in a person's life. You see, the journey that we are on can move us from the I was to but now. It's bigger than anything else because it's what God does in a person's life. And, and though we are facing the challenges and though we feel as though we are on this long journey, though we feel as though life has changed for lots of people and church has changed for lots of people and there are so many things going on in people's lives, Jesus is still in control. He is still the one leading us. He is still the one guiding us. And for all of us as individuals, whatever battles we face, and I might not know your battle this morning, but I know that God knows your battle. And I'm simply going to do this as well. I want to read the whole story. I haven't got it on the screen, I apologise. But if you've got your Bible or your phone or something that can follow the story in John 9, for it's important for us to understand. And they sung a line of this in the song when they said, the power of your word. There was a power in the word being read out, being expressed over a group of people. And the power of this word was what that one man said in verse 25. But we want to see the context of it, what happened. It says in verse 1, it says, As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, the man or his parents, that he was born blind? 
Jesus says, neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is his day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbours and those who had formerly seen him begging us, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes open, they asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud, put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. They brought to the Pharisees a man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind men. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he's a prophet. They still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son, they asked. Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? We know he is our son, the parents answered, and we know that he was born blind. But now he can see now, or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him, he is of age, he will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That is why his parents said he is of age, ask him. A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I've told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses for as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners he listens to the godly person who does his will nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind if this man were not from God he could do nothing to this they replied you were steeped in sin at birth how dare you lecture us and they threw him out Jesus heard that they had thrown him out and when he had found him he said do you believe in the son of man who is he sir the man asked tell me so that I may believe in him Jesus says you have now seen him in fact he is the one speaking with you then the man said Lord I believed and he worshipped him Jesus said for judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked what are we blind to Jesus said if you were blind you would not be guilty of sin but now that you claim you can see your guilt remains
In the story, I noticed that there was a lot of questions being asked. Uh, right from the beginning, the disciples see this man sitting beside the road and they ask this question because they're trying to tie in that there's a problem and therefore it must be somebody's fault because there's a problem, he's blind, he can't see. And so they asked the question, they said, who sinned, this man or his parents? And Jesus heals a man in verse 8 when he's healed. Uh, the neighbours begin to ask a question. They simply say, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? And then they ask him the questions. What happens whenever something dramatic ever happens, whenever something unusual happens, people have a lot of questions to ask. And this is what happens in this story. The, the people suddenly have loads of questions because it's unexpected as to what has happened. A miracle has occurred. And it is the first time in scripture that a blind man has been able to see because he's been healed by Jesus Christ. And so Jesus heals him, and so there, there were many questions that come. So the neighbours are asking, they said, well, how then were your eyes opened? Uh, and then they asked, well, where's the man that did this? And uh, the next question, how can a sinner do such miraculous signs? So they then bring him before the Pharisees, the religious teachers, uh, because this doesn't make sense. That, that this man would be healed, a blind beggar sitting by the roadside. He said he hasn't asked for Jesus to heal him. He doesn't say, as in other stories, when this Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? you know, and they say, well, will you heal us? He doesn't ask any of that. Jesus heals this man. But he's doing it for a reason. Uh, and so they say to him, they say to the blind man, even though he's no longer blind, they say, well, well who healed you? What happened? Well, they don't want to listen to him. They're, they're going to bring the parents in because they don't believe actually that he was blind from birth. So let's bring the parents in and ask the parents, is this your son? Is, is, is he yours? Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? Already we're halfway through the story here in the chapter and it's just question after question. Because the main thing in the story for us is this. He said there was a man born blind and Jesus touched him and he can see now. But it's not the main thing in the story here concerning the Pharisees or the parents or anybody else who are looking for another reason. Uh, and so they turn around and they say to the, the man, the blind man, the man born blind, so, well, well, how did he do it? He said, now we're not recommending any of this because Jesus was a bit unorthodox in his methods. I mean, he, he, he spat on the ground and he mixed up a little bit of mud and then he stuck it on his eyes. And as a pastor, if you pray for people, and I said to them, I said, what's sore? Would you mind if I just went outside, got some mud, spit in my hand, rub it in, and says, tell me where it hurts. I mean, you know, you would look at it and say, we're well, not doing that, but Jesus is totally unorthodox here. He's totally out of the ordinary here. He says, but even that's not the important thing. You're into your theology and that, you'll read the story of why did he use the mud, the saliva and stuff, but that's not the main picture of the story. The main picture of the story is this, is, is I was blind, but now I see. Uh, and then they ask the, the, the person born blind again. You know, they, they ask him the same questions all over again. And I think this would give us reason to believe, well, the Bible doesn't say this, that, that he was actually a teenager because his response was, why do you want to hear it again? You know, what do you want to hear it again for? She says, I haven't already told you. You know, sometimes you tell teenagers things and, you know, they're sort of, well, I told you the first time, but you're not listening. 
You can imagine this young man is probably standing before them because he said they barrack him then and they throw insults at him then. Uh, and simply his question after question, even coming to the end. And I love this thought about the man. He didn't know who Jesus was. He just believed that he was a prophet. And when Jesus hears that he's been thrown out of the temple, at that point, I don't think it bothers this man at all. He's got his sight back. He's been excluded from the synagogue because, you know, I thought this, I thought, he's excluded from God's house because God has healed him. It doesn't make sense, does it? But unfortunately, that's what religious people do sometimes. But here in this story, we see he's excluded. And so Jesus goes and looks for him. And he asks him another question. He says, do you believe in the Son of Man? And the man simply says, well, who is he? He says, well, the one that's healed you, you know, and, 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 that, and, and he doesn't get that still. But once he discovers that this is Jesus, he just simply does this. He believes and he begins to worship him. You see, the beginning of the story here, he asks a question. It says, well, whose fault is it? And many of us sitting in church this morning and things have happened. Things have gone on in our lives. And it's the question that we ask. Was it my fault that this happened? Am I to blame? Is it because I did this? Then, and even people would get spiritual about it. They'd say, because I did this, then God is punishing me. Because this happened in my life, then God has done this to me. That's not the way that God works. But we live with the fault. And we live with the guilt of the fault. And actually, Jesus gives some uh, uh, just incredible response here. That he simply says, he says, listen, it's not about whose fault it is. He says, actually, the healing, the work that needs to be done is simply for the glory of God. And you see, we're presented with an opportunity this morning that, that simply we could come to God and say, we don't need to keep looking for whose fault it is. We don't need to carry the guilt around with us all the time. We can leave the baggage at the side because everything that God does is good. And he does it good because he takes the baggage away from us and says, it's not your fault. He says, you know what he does with our faults and you know what he does with our thoughts of whose fault is it about the things that have gone on in our life. He leaves them at the cross. And when he leaves them at the cross, it's what we've come to do this morning. We've come to remember what Christ Jesus has done because what gives God glory is the stuff that he does in our life. What gives God glory here in this story is the man is healed that he was blind, but now he can see. You see, the Jews had all sorts of reasons to believe that it was the man's fault. That's why they asked, well, was it the parents' fault? Or some of them believed that, that, that some of the Jews believed that you could sin in the womb. Or, or some of the Jews believed that actually, that, that you know, you're being punished for the sins that you would commit later on. And then Jesus Christ came to do away with all that sort of thinking. All that thinking that we may have occasionally about it's my fault and God can't love me and God can't do anything with me. He says we have to leave that fault at the side. We have to move from our I was to our but now. His Jesus' response was this, that he didn't give the answer to the question. He always has a reason for doing what he does. And it might not be the reason we think he should do it. But it is the right reason. 
and Jesus does that in the life of this blind man here. You see, he doesn't even ask to be healed. Jesus does it for a bigger reason than explanation. He's not looking for fault finding. He's not looking for question asking. He simply does it. He just simply says in verse 5, Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. And what better demonstration there is, is by taking a man who's lived in physical darkness his whole life and giving him his sight back. Because that's what Jesus Christ does. And he's still in the business of changing people's lives. He can change your life and your situation this morning. And he demonstrates that here in this situation. Who would better understand than a blind man from birth that suddenly he gets light I mean, it's incredible to think that, that he can't see. He's never seen. Jesus prays for him. He goes and does what Jesus tells him to do. And at one point, he opens his eyes. And he's not living in darkness anymore. He's living in light. And the only reason he's living in light is because Jesus Christ has touched him and healed him. And he's done it all for the glory of God. You see, through all the questions... As I said, this man makes the most amazing statement of faith a person makes in scripture when he says, because they were trying to point the finger at Jesus and say, he's false, he's a sinner. He says, he's not the son of God. They lay all these accusations to him. The man born blind just simply says, forget all of that. None of that matters. He says, one thing, one thing I know. I was born blind, but now I see. How is that about keeping the main thing, the main thing in the whole story? He doesn't care what the Pharisees think. He doesn't care, in a sense, what his parents think. He doesn't care what his neighbours think. Why doesn't he care? Because he's lived his whole life in darkness, but at this particular point, he can now see. And the responsibility for him seeing is the man, Jesus Christ. And the same power that's evident in this story that takes this man from I was blind but now I see is the same power that is available here this morning as we sit in church when Jesus says whatever your situation is, whatever your I was, whatever it is at the moment that's keeping you there. He says one thing I know. What's the one thing? It's Jesus Christ. Who's still at work? Jesus Christ. Why are we here this morning? Jesus Christ. It says, regardless of everything else that goes on, it's this. It's him, the man, Jesus. One thing and it was the main thing. See, what does Jesus, what does he do? He just simply, story, put the fault to one side. One thing. Put the guilt to one side. One thing. Put the uncertainty to one side. One thing. Put the situation to one side. The key is this. It's just knowing Jesus, simply Jesus. I love it. The part of this story is this. The blind man was not forgotten by God. I mean, what a miserable life he'd had up to this point. I mean, he was a blind beggar. There was literally no hope for this man in anything in life. Simply placed there on the street to beg all day. Jesus Christ changed his life just simply changes he came along and said to him what does it tell us he's not forgotten by God he had no other use just surviving why was he blind we don't know why was he healed for the glory of God isn't that so true 
We can keep asking the questions of the why, 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 and often we can't give the right answers, the explanation or the reasons. But Jesus teaches us in this story with the why question. He says, it's not why has this happened. It's not whose fault it is. It's not why has this gone on. He says, why was he healed for the glory of God? And often the danger is we look to God for explanation and he doesn't give us any because we're supposed to be looking to him for restoration and healing. See, whatever you're going through this morning, these four words are so important. You are not forgotten today. Not forgotten by God in the smallest sense at all. The assurance that God is with us is a message that runs right through scripture. This blind man, insignificant to everybody, was not forgotten by God. Because as he sits there that day, he knew at that point in history his son was going to come past him and simply use him to heal him. And as he healed him, it was all for his glory. How's that for not being forgotten? There were people in this church this morning that think God has forgotten about them. He hasn't forgotten about you. He's getting ready to do something in your life for his glory. So you may feel that actually he's not interested in me. He's not, he's not concerned about me. He's forgotten about me because of what's going on. And I tell you now, God has not forgotten any of us today. He gives us an assurance of his presence today. It's not about whether we feel it. It's the truth of the foundation that we stand on in our lives. So you are not forgotten. He is with you today. If you're struggling today, remember this. As Isaiah 49 writes, he is engraved you on the palm of his hands that's how special you are to him his label for you the identity for you today the pharisees called him the blind man still even after he'd been healed how does that tell us sometimes we hold on to the things that people have said about us in the past and we've got to leave them there because he wasn't blind anymore the correct label for him was this. This was the man that Jesus had healed. That was his testimony now. That was his story. You can imagine him leaving the synagogue after he'd been thrown out, going back to his neighbours. There's the blind man. Yep, sorry. I'm not blind anymore. I can see. He said, well, we're just using it as, you know, you were like that. Doesn't matter what I was like. I said, God has done a work in my life and he's healed me, so you can't call me what I once was because I'm not blind anymore. Walks down the street to the next, there's that blind man. Stop getting fed up of saying this. He says, I'm not blind, I can see. He says, I mean, he can see. Now he can see everything. Why? He said, listen, God has done a work in my life. But they threw you out of the synagogue. He's like, so what? I can see. He said, but people don't want to bother with you anymore. I said, so what? I can see. He says all that mattered was this that he could now see because God had done a work in his life. You see, we, he never fails us or forsakes us. He walks with us through every valley. I said this at the beginning of the year in the series we did, How's Our Walk? And it stuck with me personally all the way through the year that our valleys aren't always good. But he who walks with us through our valleys, he is good. God is good. The God who has numbered every hair on our head and knows every sparrow that falls to the ground is aware of every detail of our situation. Why pick that man? Why, why pick him? I mean, I'm sure there were lots of blind people around. I'm sure there were lots of people begging on the street. They didn't even tell us his name, but that's of no concern. 
He says, what it tells us is his story. And our story is often more important than our name because the story simply was, I'm the man that was healed by God. I am the man that was once born blind, but now I see. He says his story is more important. He had not forgotten the blind man and he does not forget you. But finally, in this final thought, he says, the blind man had a responsibility as well to go back to the opening verses. Jesus spits on the ground, he makes some mud with the saliva and he put it into the man's eyes. Now, at that point, they could have just washed the eyes and the man could have seen. But the man had a responsibility as well as we have a responsibility. Because it tells us in verse 7 that, that Jesus tells him to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. I love this, it just says, So the man went and washed and came home seeing. The man went and washed and came home seeing. We must always do what we can do and leave God to do what we cannot do. That thought, he went home seeing, changed his life. He says he did. He could have stood there and said, well, why don't you just, somebody get some water, wash it out now, and I can stay in front of Jesus. Uh, Jesus, just don't use the mud. You, you could just put your hands on me so I could see. And he doesn't give any of those reasons. He just simply does what Jesus tells him to do. He says, go wash in the pool of Siloam. It made me realize this, and this is our response to this word. It's this. We move towards our miracle. We move towards our miracle. The, the man was healed because he responded to what Jesus called him to do, what Jesus told him to do. And he says, we can sit and wait, but I think there is a response from us to move towards our answered prayer, to move towards the miracle that God has for us. To, so we can use in our testimony, I, I was blind, but now I see. He's moved towards his miracle. We respond to our answered prayer. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was sick, but now I'm healed. I was in despair, but now I have hope. I was in darkness, but now I have light. I don't know today what the ache of your heart is. I do know that God wants to do a work in us for his glory all of us included he wants to do a work in us with his glory what you are dealing with and living with could be changed in a moment you can have that testimony he went and washed and came home seeing I went and stood and God answered the one thing I know is this that everything that is done is for his glory and what we're going to do this morning, because we haven't done this in a while, but I just think we have to have a response to the story. We have to have a response to what God is saying. And the team are going to lead us in the final song. But as they lead us in the final song, this is the altar at the front. And we simply just want you to come out if you're looking for that testimony in your life that something you're dealing with, you're living in that I was moment, but you want God to do something for his glory so you can declare, but now God has done this. We're not going to lay hands on you. We're not going to get close to you. We're going to abide by the distancing that we need to. But we want to have a response because when I read the end of this story, we move towards our miracle. We move and it's not bringing people out to the front to say, let's bring people out. 
It's moving towards our miracles so we can just simply pray and simply say, God, these people here are living in an I was moment, but we want you to do a work so they can now declare a but now moment. And so as the team leads us in the, the song, we just want you to make your way forward. We want everybody to be comfortable, so please don't, if you feel uncomfortable with it, just please stay in your seat and just stretch your arms out. But let's have a response of moving towards our miracle. Some of the stuff that you've got going on in your lives, we just simply want to pray over you. The words of, of, of this story, the power of the word to do something effective in the life of God's followers.